0: Good morning once again. Today we are continuing in our beautiful Attitudes teaching series, our exploration through Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount, specifically his teachings called the Beatitudes. This is week 8 of an 11 part series, so uh, we've got four more of these, so enjoy it while it lasts. So one thing I like to do uh, to engage my audience is to uh, unzip my viscera a little bit and show you what's part of my story and what's part of my life and so a lot of those things lead me to or that leads me to tell you about my childhood a lot and uh, whether you want to hear that or not you get to hear that <laughs> um, but inter- interestingly enough and you may resonate with this a little bit but we're not for all throughout my childhood uh, my brother and I we shared a bedroom and for most of those years uh, he and I had bunk beds Does anyone else, bunk beds figure heavily into your upbringing, right? We had a lot, we had bunk beds for most of our upbringing. Uh, He and I had bunk beds with him on the top and me on the bottom bunk. My favorite, uh, a a favorite pastime, uh, for my brother at least, was to reach his arm down between the mattress and the wall uh, and wait for me to grab onto it. He wanted me to grab onto his hand so that we could have a squeezing match. Uh, does anyone else do this kind of stuff anyway we'd have a squeezing match and the idea was to squeeze the other person's hand really hard really hard causing enough pain for the other person that they would surrender and eventually call out mercy they would cry out mercy so I I can't imagine how many times during the night my parents heard from down the hallway these uh, pre-adolescent voices mercy in the middle of the night I was younger than my brother, but one would think, tactically, that the bottom bunk might provide some sort of advantage over the person on the top bunk Uh, when it came to these bunk bunk bed hand wrestling matches. You would think, but not so. My older brother, Jason, he always won the squeezing matches. He always won my brother was very my brother is very competitive very competitive Uh, he won most things we ever played together uh, from ping-pong to risk to thumb wrestling to hand squeezing death matches But you may be concerned about where I'm at with this I'm okay you need to know I'm okay I'm not bitter I'm not bitter I love my brother Uh, over time younger brothers just we have to get to where we're okay with this sort of thing. Any other younger brothers in the room? Yeah, I mean, we just learned to live with it, right? We just learned to live with that sort of thing. So mercy, today I wanna talk about mercy. Have you ever been shown mercy? Have you ever been shown mercy, especially when you didn't deserve it? When you totally had what, you had it coming to you and suddenly it didn't come. You were shown mercy when you didn't deserve it, mercy. Mercy. We find that mercy is pretty rare in our world today, isn't it? We're not a merciful people anymore. Maybe we've never been that merciful. But it seems like mercy is a rare find in our world these days. More and more, it just seems bloodthirsty. We can seem pretty bloodthirsty, desperate to see people get punished. We, we, we thrive on that. We, we love to see people get punished, to see those who oppose us destroyed publicly and painfully. The more pain, the better. You know, it's been said that mercy is, is, not, getting, mercy is not getting what you've got coming to you. Mercy is not getting what's coming to you. It's, mercy is being shown kindness and forgiveness instead of anger and punishment. We love the idea of mercy. I think universally, people, if you ask them, it's like, do you like being shown mercy or do you like being punched right in the face? Almost everyone would say, I'll take mercy. We like mercy. We love the idea of mercy being shown to us. But we are not so keen, we're not so generous when it comes to showing mercy to those with whom we disagree. Showing mercy to those we find easy to dehumanize. It's not so easy to show mercy to those that we've applied labels to, those that we've objectified, those we've marginalized. We love mercy when it's incoming, but mercy when it's outgoing, it's a little more dicey. Sometimes it seems we have been at war with the others for so long that the entire world is just on fire. The entire world is sorted into us and them. The entire world is sorted into right and wrong. Sadly, ironically, it seems that we're all somehow hell-bent on destroying ourselves. Do you ever feel that way? You kind of look at the news, which... To be fair, the news just shines a telescope, or a microscope, or some kind of scope, <laughs> just magnifies what's going on in a particular part of the world, but when you sit there for hours just doom scrolling, all of a sudden you get this impression, it's like, the whole world is on fire, this, we're, we're eating ourselves alive, we're destroying ourselves. It's easy to start to believe that we are hell-bent on destruction. Today more than ever, I'll submit, we are in desperate need of mercy mercy recently i read a story a remarkable story in fact uh, about mercy being shown during wartime a a story about mercy being shown uh, during world war ii to a to a pilot uh, second lieutenant charles lester brown he was a u.s air force pilot and he was flying a b-17 bomber over germany on december 20th 1943 and the story goes like this. And here's a picture of a, of a Lieutenant Brown, Charlie Brown. Which you have to get past that association in your mind. He went by Charlie, Charlie Brown. <laughs> no, Snoopy wasn't on the airplane. Charlie Brown was a B-17 Flying Fortress pilot with the 379th Bomber Group at Kimballton, England. His B-17 was called Ye Old Pub, and was in was in terrible condition, having been hit by flak and by multiple fighters. The compass on the B-17 was damaged and they were flying in the wrong direction. They were flying deeper over enemy territory instead of heading home to Kimballton. After flying the B-17 over an enemy airfield, a German pilot named Franz Stiegler was ordered to take off and to shoot down. The B 17. Here's another image, uh, a painted rendition of that scene. He was ordered to take off and to shoot down this B 17 that had been spotted. When Stiegler got near the B 17, he could not believe his eyes. In his words, he had never seen a plane in such bad condition. The tail in the rear section was severely damaged, and the tail gunner was wounded. The top gunner was all over the top of the fuselage. The nose was smashed, and there were holes everywhere. Despite having ammunition, meaning he had the means to shoot them down, Franz Stiegler, he flew, flew to the side of the B-17, and he looked over at Charlie Brown, the pilot. Brown, he could tell, Brown was scared. Brown was scared and he was struggling to control his damaged and blood-stained aircraft. Aware that they had no idea where they were going, Franz Stiegler, he waved at Charlie and directed him to turn 180 degrees. Franz Stiegler then escorted and guided the stricken B-17 to and and slightly over the North Sea headed back towards England. He then saluted Charlie Brown and he turned back turned back and flew away into Europe. When Franz Stiegler landed, he told his commanding officer that the plane, he had shot, the plane had been shot down over the sea as commanded and he never told the truth to anybody. Charlie Brown and his surviving crew told all at their briefing, but were ordered to never talk about it. Here's a picture of Charlie Brown and his surviving crew. There's one more picture here. This story communicates to us, it resonates with us. Charlie Brown and his B-17 crew members, they were shown mercy. They were lost. They were vulnerable. They had no hope high over Germany that day in World War II. But lives were spared. Lives were spared. Kindness was shown and a bit of humanity was restored. Stories like this, they resonate with us because we love mercy But more than that, we need mercy. We hope that if we are in a situation like that, that humanity might prevail and mercy might be shown. We love mercy and we need mercy. And in the Bible, uh, we find that Jesus himself tells us as much. Jesus tells us as much. He says, choose mercy. Guys, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard, choose mercy because when you choose mercy, you will be shown mercy by God. Choose mercy because when you show mercy, you will be shown mercy by God. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 and let's read verses 1 through 7 this morning. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. In verse 7, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, It's important when we read the Bible, when we read narrative passages and things like this on the Sermon on the Mount, it's important to do the best we can to imagine ourselves on that hillside with Jesus. What was it like? What did it sound like? What if I was one of His audience in the first century in that context? How might I hear what He said in that setting? Jesus asking His listeners to be merciful in their first century world was extremely challenging think of who he's talking to and he's saying hey you be merciful that's a tall order it was challenging in the first century world in many ways it was even more challenging more severe than it is for us here in our world today think about it the audience around Jesus was populated with oppressed people a people that their hallmark in the world had become oppression hey yeah we're, we're the Jews we're oppressed that's us Jesus' audience was populated with oppressed people who were currently living under Roman occupation. They were currently subjugated by the Romans, yet they had been subjugated and oppressed all throughout history, repeatedly throughout their long and tumultuous history. Most of his audience members, most of those listening to him that day, felt justified in their anger. The average person sitting there listening to Jesus say, Hey, have mercy, because when you show mercy, God shows you mercy. That ran right up against their, self, their sense of self-righteousness and justification. It's like, No, I deserve to be angry. They felt like their anger was justified. Uh, it was eager, They were eager to see vengeance upon those who had taken their land Vengeance upon those who had trampled their identity, those outsiders who had come in and made their lives a living hell. Miserable. Why should I show mercy to those people? Surely you're not talking about them, Jesus. They likely saw their hatred of their oppressors as righteous indignation. Have you ever had that sense? It's like, oh, no, no, God's on my side here. Me and him. We're going to go have some wall to wall counseling with them. You know, I feel righteous indignation. And I imagine so many people around Jesus that day felt righteous indignation as well. They surely felt that God was on their side. God's on our side in this. God's on our side. How could God not be equally offended? How could God not be equally offended by our plight? Think about the the, the story of Israel. They were God's chosen people, and yet they were being treated this way. How could God not be equally offended by this situation? But here, Jesus steps right up and says, Hey, those who choose mercy, they are the ones who are blessed. You want blessing in the life with God? Choose mercy. Choose mercy. Those who forgive, those who show compassion, they are the ones who will be shown forgiveness and compassion by God. Oh, man. That's a difficult pill to swallow. Show mercy. Choose mercy. So what does Jesus mean by this? What does Jesus mean when he says, hey, show mercy? Show mercy. Here, mercy, according to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, mercy embraces both forgiveness for the guilty and compassion for the suffering and needy. Okay, so there's kind of a two-fold meaning here. Showing mercy, choosing mercy, implicates two ideals. Embrace It embraces both forgiveness of the guilty as well as compassion for the suffering and the needy. The Christian idea of mercy necessarily pivots upon these twin ideas. Twin ideas of forgiveness and compassion. When you show mercy in the Christian sense, you must have one foot planted in each. Forgiveness and compassion. And it's constantly reminding us that we too are in need of forgiveness and compassion we too are guilty, we too are suffering, we too are needy, we too ourselves are in need of forgiveness and compassion. No one's exempt here. Jesus' call to mercy is a centering reminder of that great mercy that God has shown to us. When you show mercy when you choose otherwise all against up and against all the other things you feel all those big emotions and you choose instead to show mercy that can serve as a powerful reminder of the mercy that god has shown you and i think that's what jesus intended here d.a carson drives this point home he says no particular object of the demanded mercy is specified jesus just cuts right to the chase choose mercy He said, Carson says, No particular object of the demanded mercy is specified because mercy is to be a function of Jesus' disciples, not of the particular situation that calls it forth. We don't show mercy because of the situation. We show mercy because of who we are in Christ. Jesus doesn't say, Show mercy to those who have offended you. Show mercy to those nasty Romans Show mercy to those wretched Samaritans. Show mercy to those ex-boyfriends. Show mercy to those evil bosses or those foul mother-in-laws. He simply says, be merciful. He leaves no caveats, no workarounds. Be merciful, just be merciful. No caveats, no specifics. Just be merciful. God blesses those who are merciful. But be warned. Be warned. Mercy given is no guarantee of mercy shown to you in return by others. Have you ever shown mercy and it not be shown back to you? Offered forgiveness and it's not been offered back? Yeah. Showing mercy is no guarantee of mercy shown in return. But, get, but hold on to this. We are called to be merciful people simply because we are Christ followers. If you're following after Jesus, you are called to be merciful. We're called to be merciful people because of Jesus. We have been the recipients of the great mercy God has shown us in and through Jesus Christ. Because of the great mercy shown to us in Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection, we are now free and able to pay it forward, if you will. We are able to show mercy to others who are just as undeserving as we are. We are capable, in a position, to pass it on, to share it, Let that resound in our world, that great mercy that God showed to us, we can pass it on to others. If you look at Romans chapter 12, uh, we find that this is uh, Paul's guidance on merciful living. And we visited here before because this is in a way a a parallel passage of sorts to the Beatitudes. But if you flip over to Romans chapter 12, let's look at uh, verses 1 through 3 and then 9 through 18. I flipped way too far. Let's go. Okay, here we are. Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. Then skip down to verse 9. Don't just pretend to love each other. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection, and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And now... The rest of the story. Now we return to the rest of the story of Charlie Brown and of Franz Stiegler. More than 40 years later, Charlie Brown wanted to find out who had saved his life. Charlie Brown wanted to find the Luftwaffe pilot who had saved him and his crew. So after years of research, uh, he, he found that it was Franz Stiegler, and he found where Franz Stiegler lived. He, he had never talked about the incident, not even at post-war reunions, but they met in the USA at a 379th bomber group reunion, together with 25 who were now alive, all because Franz did not shoot his guns that day. When asked why he didn't shoot them down, Franz Stiegler later said, I didn't have the heart to do it. I didn't have the heart to finish those brave men. I flew beside them for a long time. They were trying desperately to get home, and I was going to let them do that. I could not have shot at them. It would have been the same as shooting at a man in a parachute. Both Charlie Brown and Franz Stiegler died in 2008. So perhaps it's helpful to us. Perhaps it's helpful uh, to remember that many of the people you'll meet today Many of the people you'll encounter this week, they've been shot up pretty badly. They've been shot up pretty badly, and they are limping along from the battle they've been fighting. And they're just trying desperately to get home. In the end, isn't that what we're all doing? Isn't that what we're all doing? We're just trying desperately to make it home. So maybe instead of opening fire this time, maybe you could show mercy. Maybe you could show that person in your life that so richly deserves your wrath. Maybe you could show them mercy this week. The next time you encounter them, maybe you could take your finger off the trigger and show mercy instead. Perhaps you could choose to fly alongside them for a while. Maybe you could salute them. And maybe you could point them in the right direction. Maybe you could help them get back home. So what would that look like? What would that look like? Whose face comes to mind for you? Who is it that rubs you the wrong way, the one that causes pain, anger in your life? What would that look like for you? And what would that take? We've all been shown great mercy by God. So now it is our turn to be merciful. No more excuses. No more excuses. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning we would feel the weight of the mercy that's been shown to us. Oh, that we've not just been forgiven by the grace you've shown us through Jesus Christ, but we've also been expected then, sent out in the world to show mercy likewise. But God, that's hard for us. I mean, we think about all that Jesus endured, all the, the pain, all the betrayal, all the ways that he suffered. And it's hard to imagine how he didn't become angry, how he didn't hold a grudge, but he opened his hands and he opened his arms and he said, I forgive. Even on the cross, he says, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, the example that Jesus set for us. Oh. But Jesus makes it clear. Because we have been shown mercy by God, we are to show mercy in the world. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each of our lives, enabling us, giving us the desire, the, the, uh, helping us want to want to show mercy. Because God, a lot of times we feel like the people sitting around Jesus on that hillside, we've been so hurt. We've been so wronged. Some of us have been carrying grudges and, and, and anger with us for so long, we don't even know what it would be like to be free of that. So God, there's a healing and a deliverance that needs to happen in some of our hearts right now, so that when we go out to this week, we can be faithful to your commandments. We can be obedient to your teachings, to show mercy because we've been shown mercy. God, do a work in our hearts. Because God, you brought people to mind just now. We wish you hadn't, but you did. You brought to mind the people that we need to show mercy to. And those are the same people that it's so hard to show mercy to. But God, I pray that you would help us do it. Lord, I pray that your blessing would abound in our lives because we've been faithful and obedient to Jesus' teachings, to Jesus' commands. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the mercy and the forgiveness, the compassion that's been extended to us through Jesus, through his, his atoning work on the cross. That through Him, through His life, His death, and His resurrection, we've been made whole, we've been invited, been invited into new life, and we've been invited to come back home. So God, I pray that for all my friends here this morning, whether they've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe they just sense this morning, I need to start following Jesus. I'm ready to get turned in the right direction. I'm ready to, to head toward my heart's true home. God, I pray that You would confirm that in our hearts. That if we follow Jesus and we start to live more and more like Jesus, we will find our way back home in Him. So God, confirm that in our hearts, I pray. Give us the comfort of knowing that You've shown us great mercy, but God, keep us uncomfortable enough that we're mindful of our calling to show mercy in the world. And may You be honored through that. Lord, we lift our prayer to You in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, joining me in that time. Um, just a couple of announcements and then we'll be finished up for the day. But man, it's been good seeing you. I, I look around the room and uh, man, I just think about each person here. I love you guys. And uh, it's a it's a unique and individual relationship that we have. And I, and I look forward to it. I always feel like a hummingbird on Sunday mornings. I'm like, you know, flying around saying hi to people. And it's like, and then I get home in the afternoon. It's like, that was fun. I don't remember any of it, but it's good. You know, it's like, if you had a, one of those heat maps of my brain that, like, see what parts of my brain is lighting up on Sunday morning, it's like a Christmas tree. Then I get home and it's down to one bulb. All right, students, uh, what do you got tonight, Kendi? Um, back at our house tonight, we'll probably be inside, depending on weather, but um, we're in the second half of the first chapter of James, so taming the tongue. All right. Yeah, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Satterfields tonight, students. And that's fifth grade and up, right? What, what grade is that, fifth grade and up? Yeah, so if anybody promoted into fifth grade this year, so they started this grade last week, uh, they can start some Great. Well. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Jeff, thank you for doing Kids Focus this morning. <laughs> that was really great. Uh, we're looking for anyone who'd like to help lead Kids Focus on a rotation. If, you'd, if you're if you interested in doing that, see Heather Haynes back there. Uh, Next week, we have Yurt Church, and I want to make a big deal about this. We have Yurt Church next Sunday, which means we're going to meet at the Forest Garden Yurts in Reed Spring at the Francis's awesome place down there, which means it's going to be awesome, and it also means that we're not going to be here. So I don't know how to make that uh, front of the mind next Saturday for everybody, but <laughs> we will not be here on Sunday, so if you show up, that's sad. If you need a ride, see Curtis. We've got the church van, and we can give a limited number of people a ride uh, to the yurts and back uh, next Sunday. Be there at 11 a.m. We're going to have lunch. We're going to have worship and teaching and just sharing of our, our gifts of art and music. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Amanda and Nick, for opening up your space for us. It's going to be great. Do we, you know, They don't need to bring anything? Uh, camp chairs, camp chairs blankets, blankets, games. If you want to camp, bring your tent and stuff like that. Uh, before worship at 10 o'clock, we have prayer time. Uh, we meet down in the conference room, and uh, it's a good time to just put our our uh, join our hearts together and to lift our prayer needs uh, to the Lord. So if you have questions about that, you can see uh, Dale and Sue or Ruth Hunter. They help lead that up at 10 o'clock each Sunday morning. Uh, we view the giving of tithes and offerings as an intimate expression of faith and worship. Uh, there's an iPad back there that you can use your debit card. There's also a... Uh, Basket back there by the kids' activities. There's also one here at the crossroads behind Richard there. Yes, he's guarding it. Uh, But uh, we want to be sure and offer opportunities for you to uh, join in that um, act of worship. Uh, Let's see. Shirts. We have shirts at the back, but we also have mugs now. We have Hope and Anchor mugs that were handmade by a friend of ours in Pennsylvania. Uh, Christy was going to bring them today, but she's not here, so we'll get them here soon. Hey, this may be Cheryl's last Sunday with us. I I wanted to do my best in this on a really sad note, but um, huh? Yeah, Cheryl Burks has been with us for a long time and has been a huge, huge blessing to me and my family and to our church fellowship. She's always been faithful to serve in our food distributions, uh, just ways that we serve our community. Uh, She's also been a part of our Tuesday night. community group, the OC, for years, and uh, man, it's really hard to see you go to Oklahoma. Um, but know that you'll always be a part of our family, and you've always got a place to come back uh, to us. So, um, where what town are you moving to in Oklahoma? It's Wagner, a little big town. Wagoner? Okay, uh, Wagner, Oklahoma. So anyway, before you get away today, uh, say a kind word to, to Cheryl. and uh, who. I'm like fan my face for a little bit now all right anything else i missed well let's stand and pray as the yeah, lord taught us if you, if oh you want to play a song or do anything you can talk to me after church here and do that sort of thing. yeah if you want to play something at the yurt church get together next sunday see kyle all right stand let's stand and pray as the lord taught us our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done Now, all glory to God who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thanks everyone. Have a good afternoon.